Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome, it is Face Off. I am your host, Kate. We're going to be trying something a little bit different today on Face Off. I do say that a lot, actually. It makes <laughs> I feel silly saying it, but this is actually different. Let me introduce the panel. I've got two AI writers with me to help me with this new endeavor. Both you're very familiar with. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll just go straight into one is uh, Adam Petrucci. Petruccione or Petruccio, depending on which side of the page you've woken up on today. <laughs> How are you, Adam? <laughs> Not too bad, yeah. Depends on which country I'm in, right? Yep, that's a, <laughs> depends on the time zone. And um, and the other one is all deduction. Everything is just elementary to him. It's Holmes, Tom Holmes. How are you, Tom? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Kate. It's good to be on again. I'm really looking forward to trying out this new format and seeing if we can take it somewhere. That, that's it, that's it. And what we're going to try and do... Uh, and we're selling this to gags to see if we can make a show out of it, actually. So do give us your feedback. Is we're going to start a ratings show. So we're going to try and give our panelists a chance to rate individuals after the game. And we're going to compare that to maybe some of the other ratings that have been, that have, that we can sort of drag up on the internet if, if those have been, uh, have been gone from some good sources and see what debates sort of come out from that. And you can obviously join in on social media or just, uh, just, uh, make your own podcast and bash us. But let's try this out. Let's see where it goes, right? So. We are trialing this right after the game against Man United, right? But I'm not going to do this with 22 players. I've uh, <laughs> That just looks like a dark road to go down. So what we've done is I have been in conversation with my panel, and we've picked 11 players to rate after this game, right? We're going to go back to front to uh, to establish some kind of uh, semblance of order. And guys, what we're going to start with is right at the back, the first person of interest is going to be one Virgil van Dijk. I'm looking across the echo and the mirror. Both have given Virgil van Dijk a nice, lovely round seven, basically for winning his aerial battles, organizing around him, uh, went close with a header, cleared off the line. That's what uh, that's what the echo says. And uh, and that's from James Pierce, I think. The mirror says, always oh, threat from set pieces, while his pace is real asset in breaking up opposing attacks. Do you have anything different from that? I will let you go first. Adam. Well, uh, we're going to start this off with a bang, and I gave him a seven as well. <laughs> and uh, Listen, you know, we've never seen Virgil van Dijk go through a preseason before, uh, since he was a January signing, obviously, you know. He goes through, he plays pretty much how you'd expect, I think. You know, he sort of only cranks it up to about fourth gear. He goes through the motions, and that's really good enough because he's so much better than everybody else. Uh, unless uh, Sane is uh, sprinting at you at full tilt. Uh, that was a problem the other night, but 
since United don't have anybody like that, he was pretty calm for the for the most of the night. He was his usual behemoth self. Behemoth self. Uh, he had a he had his header that was uh, probably should have scored. It was cleared off the line. Yeah, he gets a seven for me without really trying that hard. It's a bit difficult, right? I mean, United didn't really press him that much. Tom, what do you feel? Um, it, it's it's sort of maybe we can abstract this a bit. I don't know if you want to bring in the City performance to it as well. Are we a bit worried about that and uh, and sort of what? other teams might take away from these performances. But, I mean, the United performance, really, I mean, do you have anything different uh, in that regard? Not really. I mean, as you say, United didn't offer much at all. They didn't really stretch our defence, didn't really challenge our defence. What I would say is that there are games like this one where if you don't have the right players or if uh, a player makes quite a few mistakes, it can end up looking very, very differently. And if you've got a centre-back who just does his job properly... Back to you know wins wins pretty much every header doesn't do anything sloppy doesn't let anyone run him in behind. I mean, mm. Alexis Sanchez did have a decent go at him in the first half and he he, he stood firm. So there were there were potentially situations there where it could have gone a bit messy. Um, but yeah, overall it's hard to argue with a seven. He wasn't asked to do a lot, but he didn't do anything wrong either. I wouldn't I'd say it would be harsh to give him a six or lower just because I don't think he did anything wrong. But as you say, you can't really give a defender who goes nine who goes uh I think it's forty do you play forty five or sixty five. 65, sorry, minutes completely untested. You can't really give him higher than a 7 either because I just don't think he offered um, that much in terms of sort of, in terms of on the ball, he, it's one of those games where because we've got quite a lot of good effective passes to the ball for midfield anyway and we'll come on to some of those later on. He didn't, he didn't necessarily dictate play too much from the back, which is fine. Um, his aerial prowess is really, really strong. He's always good in the air, which we already know. Um, he was unlucky not to score. Uh, which obviously would have bumped his rating, but generally, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty uh, tame one to start off with, and that uh, Adam and I completely are in agreement, and also completely agree with the echo in the mirror, really. Nice. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on how Van Dijk relates to um, our new midfield and what what type of role he sees for himself there. I like that point on on how he's sort of coming out of defense into the midfield. Speaking of which, let's go into the midfield now, starting that defensive midfield position. Fabinho, Tom, I, I, are, are we intent on calling him Fabs? Is that a... Is that a thing you've got? But anyway, <laughs> um, so what have I got? From, what have I got from the echo? The echo's got Fabinho at a, at a seven. Benefits it from play a bit further up the field. Want to back? Use the ball well. Fabinho. If I look at the mirror, seven as well. Starting to look like a real top signing. Doing nothing spectacular, but doing the basics very well. He is integrating into the side. Tom had a, a difficult moment again against Man City and their pace. You know, he, he is just betting into the team, but this time he didn't really need to do that much to break up the play. And when, when it did come along, he sort of, he sort of did pretty well in doing that. You happy with that seven rating from both of those outlets? Yeah, I'm happy with it. I'd, I'd maybe give him a six just because I don't think he did a lot. As you say, as, as we said, as with Van Dyke, United offered very, very little to check, to test him. He didn't have to do that much. I think it was he, him, it was him who conceded the free kick for the goal, wasn't it? Fabinho, I think. Um, mm which is obviously one negative in that set pieces in and around our sort of 30 yards of goal have been an Achilles heel of us recently and all of our DMs seem to give them away. But then I guess that's what DMs tend to do. It's part of it. It's a, it is a part of the DMs game plan. Um, no, I, I don't have any issues with that. I think the thing about Fabinho, the thing I like about him most is his positional play. He always seems to be alert as to what's going on around him. He never seems to be caught out of position. He doesn't press too much, which may or may not be an issue, but it might be something slightly different. Uh, at least that's from what I've seen of him. He doesn't tend to go charging off into the midfield. Um, 
which, as I say, can be good in the sense that positionally it means he's never caught out. But equally, Klopp might want a bit more in terms of pressing from him going into the season. I guess that's something we'll see about. In terms of dictating play, again, I feel as if he maybe could have done a little more in the first half, but I think that would be being overly harsh. I felt like he did, as you say, he did what he needed to do, which was truthfully not a lot. He kept play ticking over. He didn't do anything silly. He didn't do anything stupid. Uh, and overall, he looked looked fairly solid. I don't have any issues with his performance in this game, and I, I haven't seen any of the issues that people are making out that they've seen across social media anyway. So I think he's a solid, solid performance, but I wouldn't say he played well enough to earn a seven personally. Yeah, are you, are you going to succumb to peer pressure here, Adam? Uh, a seven for putting in a, a pretty call-in performance, or are you going to rock the boat? Uh, pretty close, pretty close. I had down Adam, six. Adam, rock it. I had down a six point five. I don't know how many. That's I don't know how many decimals we're carrying this out. Can we um? Can we nip this in the bud <laughs> right away and just and just veto point fives because it's no. a ten scale. It's a ten scale rating. We don't. There's no need for any point fives. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about like a six and a third, six point three three? No, um, you know I would say about Fabinho. You know the funny thing is like there's this weird controversy going on on Twitter right now about Fabinho being not not about whether he's good or not, but whether or not there's actually a debate about him being good or not, which is uh, very strange. But you know the thing that stands out to me the most about him is that he's really nasty. You know, and I, I wasn't really say that, yeah, yeah, and especially. In contrast with Henderson, uh, he sort of he makes Lucas look like a really clean midfielder, and um, <laughs> you know I want to see I want I want to see how much he can get away with in the Premier League, but um, but Liverpool do they need a guy who just kicks opposition players whenever there's an opportunity because they certainly do it to us. He looks you know it's it's good that they're that people are starting to come around to to how talented he is and that he's getting more praise, but he still does look a little bit uncomfortable to me, um, and I actually I love that because. You know, to me, it just looks like there's a lot more potential there, even though he's still getting the job done, like Tom says. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a decent amount of Monaco's matches. I think I think he's going to be great. You know, and I think it's going to be something for Liverpool fans to get used to because, you know, he is like a he's a actual defensive midfielder, and you know, I think what's going to happen is the team around him is going to have to get used to sort of funneling play towards them, and yeah, like the fouls and inopportune places is probably something that the team is going to have to look at from a strategy standpoint, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a monster of a player and I think he can only help us. I was a bit surprised he didn't take any penalties, to be honest. Uh, that's one thing I saw on the YouTube compilations that he did very well. <laughs> and I thought, I thought he might do that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I love how he just walks around kicking people. I, I like that. It, it's very nice that he just sort of looks over and he says, yeah, you're starting an attack. I just happen to be a no. Boom. And uh, and over he goes. All right, let's move on to the next one, guys. I've got Curtis Jones here. It's, it's going to be it's very difficult to rate these youngsters. We're going to be coming across this quite a lot in preseason. Obviously, preseason, very much a time for youngsters, if we can say that. Curtis Jones played 64 minutes. Played on the right. Um, Echo's got him at a seven, uh, which... For me, was a bit much. Murray had him at six, which I'm a bit, I'm a bit more partial to. Had him done sort of, sort of worked hard, and and as far as I can tell, the rating is based on didn't make that many mistakes. Adam, you agree with that? Six, seven? Would you put him around there? I give him a six. Yeah, I don't. You know, I think he's one that the hype is, stor- is starting to sort of get behind this kid, and 
you know, I think he want, he makes it so people want to rate him higher, but um, I don't think he got that many opportunities this match as opposed to some of the other matches. He wasn't really able to sort of announce himself like he has in some of the other in some of the other games. Um, was just, there wasn't a, yeah, he was playing on the right. There wasn't a ton going on down his side. So tough for me to give him any more than a six. Um, you know, it's interesting to me to see what happens with him. Our midfield is pretty stacked, but uh, you do have to think that there'll be some outgoings before the season starts. You know, to have a player like Jones who can develop in the under 23s but be good enough to bring up when needed, I think that would be a huge advantage for Jurgen. So, uh, you know, I we'll talk about some of the other players that that maybe should or could go out, I guess, later in the pot. Tom, what is your rating for Jones, and is it? How do you feel about him playing uh, right fullback? You know, it's is is it? We've seen. We will get onto this a bit later. But Woodburn, we're asking sort of where his best position is, and he sort of has to has to fall into a you know you know some kind of speciality. Is it? Is Jones just at that age where he can fall at at fullback, and it's still part of his development, or is he walking down that same path? Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing to bear in mind with this is that both Trent and Klein weren't in the squad and we're short on centre-back, so Gomez had to play there. So we had two players who aren't really right-backs, both starting right-back. And, at, you know, 25 minutes in pre-season at this stage of his development, I don't think it's going to hurt him. The other thing I think it might help him with, and that I thought is in the first couple of games when I've seen him, I thought he's looked really, really good on the ball, but I've been slightly concerned by his off-ball performance. Well, not concerned, but I've, I've wanted, wanted to keep a closer eye on his off-ball performance, so having him play in a more defensive role... I think he's good for him at this stage in his development to build a more well-rounded game. Um, and I certainly felt he showed a lot more discipline in this game, which I thought was really, really good. Um, had He was involved in the goal, the, the uh, Shakiri goal, which obviously we'll come to on later, which was good. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with Adam, though. I don't think he did anything more to earn than a six, really. And that's, again, that's just the case of the fact he played 25 minutes at right back in a game where not much was happening down that side. And we weren't asked to do much defensively. So that's pretty much my take on it as well, yeah. Mm, all right. All right, let's talk about let's talk about a player I just mentioned there, Ben Woodburn, who's been obviously quite active this uh, this preseason. He's been active in previous preseasons. There's a lot of debate about what's going to happen with this kid, but it seems to me that there's a there's a pretty long term plan in place. Let's talk about this game. He, I I can't believe any of the minutes given by James Pierce because he's had he's had Jones down in 64 minutes. And uh, and I'm uncomfortable now saying what he's got, but, but he's he's got bent down for 45 minutes and he's given him an eight, which seems a bit much for me. I I think I know why. But when Woodburn's also been given a seven by the mirror, both seem to have been based on the fact that he's bulked up quite a lot in recent months and is holding his own physically on the pitch. Pierce goes on to say that uh, that he created the goal for Shakiri. Is it is that what is that what he's done? Would you go that high, Tom, giving him an eight? Probably wouldn't give him an eight. I think a seven's probably fair. I thought he played really well. I thought he uh, controlled the midfield really well. I thought he offered something different. I like one of the things I like from central midfielders, and this is something we're definitely going to come on to talk about later because you and me were discussing it earlier, is that he interchanges quite well with his wide players. So he drops quite left, which allows Shakiri to cut inside more, and he's got that sort of fluidity to keep the game moving and to move about a bit. So his his uh, his movement was really impressive. Um, his control over the game was very impressive. Um, and obviously the assist for Shakiri was was pretty excellent as well. His again, it's that late movement into the penalty area, making a darting run, and then the composure to sort of keep the ball, get it down, and then put in a good cross at the end of it. 
Um, yeah, I thought Woodburn played well, and I'm I am excited to see Woodburn play football. Ben Woodburn is a player that I am a huge fan of, have been for a while now. So I'm I really want to see him do well this season. I think a lot of people are right when they say that at this stage in a young player's development, and this is something that's as I say, smarter people than me have said at this stage in their development, you need young kids to be playing a lot of football. You need them to be getting legs under their minutes. I was happy last summer for him to be kicking about the squad learning, but I, I do agree with people that this season he does need to be getting minutes under his belt and he looks like he's going to get those at Aston Villa as a replacement for Jack Grealish. So um, if he gets a, a good loan at Villa for a year, he could definitely improve, definitely show that he's got something and definitely, most importantly, get minutes under his belt and then hopefully come back next summer a better player. Um, but yeah, I thought in terms of this game specifically, I thought he played really well. I do think a seven, I do think an eight's a bit extravagant for a player who turned in a really composed performance, but I don't think he fund them. You know, he didn't go out there and set the world alight, but what he did do was turn in a really accomplished, mature performance. Yeah, you'd agree with that, Adam. Uh, eight does just feel a bit excessive for me. Yeah, I think that's really high. Actually, I had him at a six, and maybe that was even too much. I mean, he gets the, he does get the assist there on Shakiri's amazing goal, but uh, I don't know. He's he's been disappointing me a lot, to be honest. Like maybe that's harsh, but I mean, last summer he was playing in the midfield and making a lot of things happen. He was playing uh, sort of as the advanced eight, and he took Coutinho's spot a lot, like when that whole uh, when the Barcelona link started, right? You know, at the time, maybe that was crazy, but we were even talking about whether he would play the, that position in the season, you know, and because he was playing that well in the preseason. And it seemed like something positive would always happen when whenever he touched the ball playing from from deep, basically. And uh, this season, he's he, yeah, it's clear that he's bulked up a lot. And I just wonder if he hasn't lost a little bit of the quickness that he needed. Um, yeah, for me, he needs a lone move to figure out where his most effective position is. I I hope that he stays in central midfield. I, I don't think, you know, if he goes, when he plays out wide, you know, I think that, that's great that he can do that. But, you know, for Liverpool, he's he's not that, he's not at that level, right, <laughs> where, where he can play wide and really be a difference maker. Um, you know, he's, he starts to feel like a Yanazai part two to me if if he you know, tries to play that position. So I hope that when he, whatever loan move that he gets, it looks like he is going to get one now. That uh, that he plays him as a creative midfielder rather than as a wing. He is a num- he is a, he's only 18 though. He is only he's still a very very young lad. He's not even 19 yet. I think it's I think it's maybe a bit harsh to say that um, he's been disappointing. I think you know when you get players that young, people are always willing to keep a lot of expectation on them. And Jurgen Klopp has been very very careful not to do that. He's been very very careful to make sure that Woodburn doesn't get the doesn't get the expectation piled on him by managing him very, very well. Um, I do think um, that he does need a loan move. I agree with you there. But I don't think this thing about needing to know his best position is necessarily important because Phil Coutinho's, you know, 25 now. He's one of the best players in world football. And I don't think we still know what Coutinho's best position is either. He's play- A lot of people think his best position is central midfield. I'd argue that for us, he was just as effective on the left wing. So I don't necessarily think that you need to have a player like Woodburn. You need to shoehorn shoehorn him into a position too early. I don't think that's the right way of going about it at all, especially when you've got a player who can be effective out on the left hand, can be effective in a creative midfield position. Um, especially the way, especially the way we play football, where playing off of the, where our wingers are invited to get to drop deep, come inside, and uh, play a more active part in playmaking. And, and again, that's something we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but 
Yeah, for me, it's just a comparison to what we saw last summer. Maybe the competition's different. I don't know. Um, for me, it's just he just doesn't look. He just doesn't look like he has the lateral quickness now that he has all this upper body bulk to me, and that happens sometimes. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple of seasons for athletes to figure out what you know sort of their body makeup needs to be to be the most effective, and it just looks like he's a little bit too heavy to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, if if he had the same summer this year that he did last year, I think we'd be having a conversation about does Lalana need to go so that we can give this kid minutes, and we're not having that conversation at least not because of Woodburn, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> because he's just not he's not having the same kind of offseason. And that's, you know, I guess maybe a disappointment is too harsh, but, uh, you know, I, I wish he had the same summer that he was having last year, I guess, is, is what I would say about it. I thought he was very composed today. I thought he was very composed, and I thought he played pretty well in that midfield. I thought he ran the midfield really well. Um, I think, I think, Obviously, you want players like that to go and have an explosive summer every summer. You want them to be kicking the door into the first team. But I think the level that they're at and the age that they are, it's very, it's, it would be a, expecting a lot for, for him to be further ahead in his development than where he is, in my opinion. Do you think, how, how do we feel about the fact that perhaps the midfield would be the better place for him to develop? If, you know, if I'm just looking at that front three and the replacements for the front three and sort of what they can do, they've all got that, you know, trickery or pace, you know, something about them that, that sort of just, um, really aids the penetration. And uh, why Woodburn sort of, and you guys can feel free to set me right there, but he sort of does a job. Whereas in the midfield, it seems that with his attributes, it, it sort of can maybe develop in a more, uh, a less pressure situation, more natural towards his um, his, his sort of natural strengths, and he um, wouldn't expose them as much. Is would that be a good move for him? Maybe. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, you just think at the level that Liverpool are aiming for here, and they obviously you know want to compete for the league title and the and the toughest league that there is on earth, and they want to compete uh, for Europe again, and. You know, you just can't. It's a special player that can that can play on the wing for the type of clubs that Liverpool is, you know, trying to be mentioned with at this point. You know, and I just don't think Woodburn is is up to that. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's harsh to say that you'd be like hiding him in the, in the midfield if he if he chooses that uh, area of the pitch to to progress in. But um, maybe maybe that's right. I don't know. I mean, he he's an instinctive passer, and you know, I just I think that that if he's going to play for Liverpool at some point on a regular basis, I think that that's uh, the spot for him. Uh, you know, I think really if you're if you're a player from the outside looking at Liverpool, anybody would want to play in that sort of furthest uh, furthest forward midfield role, advanced eight, whatever you want to call it, um, because you've got so many amazing attacking players in front of you. Um, you know, so so it's not really not really hiding a player, but but I think I think that would be the place where Woodburn could mature for Liverpool if it were ever to happen. I I personally don't disagree. I certainly think he would. I think he has the attributes to thrive as a number eight, and I don't disagree there. What I would say is that at, at his age, I think it's maybe too young to be necessarily saying we need to be nailing him down for position. That's just my take on it. I think at at his age, I think he's got the skill set to develop into being either a number. Number eight, number ten, or a left winger, wherever he feels most comfortable, and more importantly, 
wherever Klopp feels he can get the most out of him. And I think it's nice that if he does get some minutes, you know, um, as a, you know, for the further of the field inside forward, that, that kind of thing, it's nice for him to feel those positions. And then when he goes back into midfield, you know, within a game situation and what's going on in, with the big boys and, and how the opposition reacts to those positions and positions themselves and, you know, jostles and whatnot, like he can make better decisions maybe based on, uh, you know, when he gets maybe more minutes into the midfield. So, yeah, I agree. That can work vice versa as well. So, um, that, I mean, that really makes sense. I mean, let's move on, though, guys. Somebody else who has been in and around the first team, he's sort of always uh, flattered to deceive. He's, he's been there and there about. I've been, you know, slightly burnt by this play in the past. So I'm hoping he could have played a bigger role last season, for example, in taking minutes away from our front three and preserving their legs a little bit more than than um, than he did. I know he's gone on loans and stuff like that, but I, I was hoping he'd be bashing down the doors of the first team a little bit more. But that is Shea Ojo. If we look at the echo, PSC has given him a uh, a pretty big eight. Um, young winger really rose to the occasion, coolly dispatched the Reds' third goal from the penalty spot. Let's look at the mirror, and they've given him a seven. Signal of intent from a youngster who just looks destined to be a lone ranger. Ha ha ha! Good performance. What do we think of Shea Ojo and uh, and what he did? I'll let you start with this, Adam. Yeah, um, I like I like I like Ojo a lot. I do. Uh, Tom Tom knows. Uh, I'm sure Tom's gonna go on a rant after this, but I gave I gave Ojo a nine. Like basically, it's a nine for me for the oh, entire entire preseason. This guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy to me is unbelievable. And like I think. I think if you take the time to watch preseason in any sport, it doesn't take long to like fall for a favorite for an underdog to make the squad. Shea Ojo, he's he's that guy for me. He's the dark the dark horse to make the team for me, even with the links this week to half of England. Uh, but you know, if there's one thing in the Klopp system, as currently constructed at least, that that you need to make it work, it's extreme speed on the on the flanks. When Mane or Salah were, were out last season or even just like sort of preserving themselves and not sprinting every, every two minutes, uh, we lacked the, the ability to have like the, the out ball, you know, and Mane and Salah, they're so fast that I feel like our midfield, our center backs, they get used to just having that, that constant, that constant available out. You know, if you're under pressure, you just kick the ball off the pitch and, if you don't kick it into the stands, then one of those guys, if they're, if they're 100% fit, they're going to get the ball. And Ojo is the guy who has that speed. And we need guys that are on the bench that are available to come in and, and substitute for that. And, you know, I realize he's nowhere near them in terms of the rest of the game, but he certainly has the physicality. He certainly has the speed. And if I were Klopp, I'd want to have that guy. I mean, you just see like some of the balls that he chases down were like, Way overhit, but he gets to it anyways, and that's that's how he created the um, the penalty where Robertson gets stripped in the box, uh, you know, and just it was talking about I mentioned Adam Milano before. I mean, he just he's not providing that in a million years. So, you know, for me, he's just a much more useful tool in terms of when you look at that subs bench, somebody gets an injury, you know, you just you need the system to be able to function the way that it's supposed to with the rest of the ten players on the pitch. And he's a guy that allows you to do that. He can play both sides. Yeah, you know, now Tom Tom can go on on his rant about what he heard from my guy from Wolverhampton a couple of years ago when Ojo was 15 and he wasn't good enough to play for the Wolves. 
<laughs> to be fair, I mean, we, we were talking about this after the last face-off pod, um, Kay. It's not just Wolves fans, is it? It's Fulham fans as well. It's, it, you know, it's only every place he's been on loan that don't rate him at all, which is, you know, their prerogative. Um, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go too in on Ojo because I thought Ojo had a good game. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't give him a nine. I think that's massively over exaggerating. I'd give him a seven. I think a seven's probably fair. I thought he had a really good, I thought he had a good game. I thought he ran the, fl- he, as you say, he ran the channels really well. He ran the flanks really well. Um, I think for the penalty, I thought he did excellently to chase it down and then putting a good, good putting a good ball into the box. Um, but overall, he didn't offer that much. Um, I mean, as you say, we didn't do a lot of our play down the right, which is where he predominantly played. Um, he did chase a few loose balls down, but he didn't, I don't think he offered that much in terms of quality end product in the final third, which has always been his issue. His issue has always been that he doesn't really have a final product. Um, well, one of his two issues, the other issue, other issue is his attitude. Um, in this game, as I say, I thought he, he made a really good move for the penalty. I thought he played well overall. I don't think he was not, I don't think he played a nine. I mean, I, I, there's only two players which we'll come to later on that I would say were worthy of a nine. And I'd, I'd say both of those, you know, in the context of a preseason friendly, it's, I think giving a nine to anyone's maybe a bit much, but obviously well, I thought. To be, two, to be fair, to be fair, I had him at an eight and a half, but you guys told me that's not allowed, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's different. Uh, I, 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 I don't. I thought he was okay. I thought he was fine. I thought, he, as I say, I thought he played well. I thought he ran the channels well. But he, I think, if you're going to be giving people a nine, in my opinion, they've got to be providing a, con, a, a consistent level of end product throughout the game, which the other two players that I'm going to talk about did. I thought it was, I thought it was a well taken penalty. I thought he did well in the build up to the penalty, but fundamentally, I don't think he was that good. I thought he was solid. And, I, and you talk about him replacing Lalara in the squad. They play two fundamentally different roles. Two fundamentally different roles. I don't think Ojo has the maturity, has the um, ability to play in the clock in the middle of a clock pressing system. Um, I think he's a good so, outball. I, I think he's a good outball. I think he's quick. But you look beyond his pace, and he doesn't offer very much at all. His only his only real attribute is his pace. That's about I, it. That's I hear you. I hear you on that. To the table. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of lads out there who are quick. He's great. He's got a great cross as well. We saw that when Benteke was on the team. But, you know, I, I hear you. And on a normal team, maybe uh, the pace would just be like a gadget or whatever. But, you know, for Liverpool, I think it's huge. And we just don't have, you know, he's a guy that doesn't cost anything that you can just keep around. And he's not going to be, he's not going to develop into a superstar somewhere else. I, I'm not under like any illusions that he's like, you know, some worldy in the making or something, but, uh, you know, but that's the whole reason why like him, like Solanke, like you could keep these guys around. And I think if, if I'm that player, I'd rather just, I'd rather be a bench player for Liverpool than be like, what are you going to be like the best player in the championship or something? I don't know if that appeals to him, go ahead, go on alone, whatever. But, you know, I just think he can do a particular job He's got a particular set of skills. <laughs> He's got a very particular set of skills that can that can help Liverpool. I think, you know, we just we haven't signed Fakir. We haven't signed more uh, help for the for the front three. You know, so yeah. you've got you got Shakiri there, and Shakiri helps uh, for sure. But I, I think with the competition, you know, if we really want to win silverware, you got to have. Massive depth, really, and we need at least two. Uh, we need Shakiri and one other player, at least. You know, you need a sub for both wings. That's what it comes down to. And I think we don't have a sub for the other wing. Um, Ojo can play both sides, and I just think 
I just think he's a great tool for Klopp to have. And in terms of like what the manager needs to see, he's proving to me that he can do that job. So, uh, you know, that's why I rate him that high, I guess. I, I personally don't think he can do that job. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's got the end product. I don't think he's got the attribute, uh, the attitude. And I don't think he's got the skill set, really, if I'm being honest. And one lad I would like to see maybe get a bit more of a run in his place, who, not to do K's job for him, but is Camacho. Nice. Who I think. About Camacho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I learned his name. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, so I wanted to say it in the intro. I'm not going to let you take this from me, Tom. <laughs> but let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about Raphael. Um, Ecluges, uh, Suarez, Camacho, I completely fucked that up. Thank you, Tom. Well done. Let's talk about him because we've gone backwards and, uh, and gone ba- back to the defense. But the Echoes rated him as a seven. Another impressive effort from the youngster. Solid defensively. Got forward well to deliver some decent crosses. I'd go a bit more on the crosses. I thought they were a bit more than decent. But anyway, the mirror's gone, you know, it's gone for a six. Which I think is a bit harsh, maybe, but maybe, you know, it could be more fair. But another youngster who stepped up to the plate with a fair performance, looking good in possession. They seem to be quite conservative there, Tom, in their, uh, in the assessment of him. Uh, is that what you felt from his performance? No, I thought he was really good. Um, <laughs> I thought he was really good. Um, I would have given him either a seven or an eight. I don't think he's like, I don't think he's like nailed on for an eight, but I think, I feel like giving him an eight. Given how young he is and how talented he is, I think an eight's fair. He slotted in at right back, which is not, which is obviously he's a, a young player, so he can play a lot of positions. But right back isn't isn't where we've seen him play necessarily in this preseason so far. We've seen him play more advanced. But he played the Trent role really well in the sense that he got forward quite a lot. He was offering a lot of overlaps, and when he did offer those overlaps, he usually put in a decent ball as well. I, I, I agree with you. I thought his crossing was excellent at times. Um, I think. The end, the end product is maybe something that as a young player you, you can work on him with, especially when he's that young. But the, he's got the raw attributes of the crossing. His crossing is good enough and it's consistently in the right areas as well, which is always something that I, that I am impressed by. And I thought defensively he was really solid. When you consider that Alexis Sanchez would have been playing on that left-hand channel for quite a bit of the first half, he, he never showed any defensive issues. Again, you're talking about a Man United side that offered very, very little, so it's hard to be too too appraising of his defensive ability, but he always looked cool and calm. He didn't make any mistakes. He looked like a comfortable right back. He slotted into that side about as well as I would have expected Trent to do. Uh, he really did. He offers, for me, he offers so much. All throughout preseason, we've seen his crossing is excellent. We've seen he's got a really good ball on him. He's composed. He's intelligent. He makes really good runs. And one moment that maybe won't go noticed was the early throw-in where he had the, the, um, the sense of mind and the sort of ability to spot Milner making a run. And he played an excellent throw in, an excellent quick throw in that completely caught out the United defence and should have led to Solanke scoring. So it's, yeah, just little, it's just little things like that, that you get from a player and you just think they've got something about them. Like they've got a little bit of intelligence. They've got a little bit of um, guile. And I feel like he is the sort of player that could go miles. And I think he's only 17, 18 as well. So he's very, you know, he's the sort of player that is extremely young, extremely talented and I think he has got something about him. Um, he's 18. Um, so I think he definitely is a player who I want to see more of. And I thought he slotted in really, really well into that right back position today. And, and there was no noticeable downgrade. Admittedly, as I say, again, it's pre-season. It's against a pretty, pretty poor United side, but I thought he was excellent. I would be happy to give him an eight, but I also wouldn't argue with a seven either. Mm. Which one are you going to make him argue with? 
Adam. <laughs> no, I actually I agree with Tom on this one. I gave him an eight. Uh, you know, maybe it's sort of like in comparison to the rest of the players in the first half, which were a little bit off of it, I guess. Like for me, he was the strongest player by far in the, in the first half. I agree with Tom. His playing style is a lot like Trent's, uh, which is good again for consistency's sake. You know, if, if you're looking at him having a chance to play in the first team, uh, you know, just to have a like for like replacement uh, for Trent. He works perfectly. Uh, he's just got he's got like no fear, which is also like something similar that he has with Trent in terms of getting forward, uh, in terms of taking a shot when it's there, in terms of taking a cross. You know, he just he just there's no hesitation. He just puts it in. Um, you know, you see, it's just such a such a difference with Klein too. Klein seems like he almost has like an allergy to the box, right? Where he like, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of good because. He has like a dedication to get back. So what I, you know, it seems like he runs up to the line of the 18 yard box and then he sprints away from it. Um, whereas this guy, you know, and I think he is in the academy. He's a winger. So <laughs> he plays like that. You know, he gets, he gets to those positions and he looks natural and then he just turns into a winger once, once he's in the, once he's on. Once he's in those positions. So, you know, I, I think he looks great. He looks comfortable playing with the senior team. As Tom said as well, you know, the only thing we don't really know is how, how well he can deal with pressure going the other way. I watch him in these, uh, in the other parts of the preseason. He just hasn't really come under a lot of pressure on the, on the defensive end. Um, which Trent and Gomez struggled with during certain periods for last season as well. So, uh, so that's yet to be seen. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious in some of these later games that, the, the the couple that remain, uh, you know, how he sort of fares that way. And I think if he can show, if he can show that he's decent on the, on the defensive end, if he's better than, you know, if we're going to use like Moreno as a standard, then, then, uh, which is always dangerous, then, you know, he should really be making a push for the first team. He's played that well. I don't know. I, I don't know what Tom thinks or what you, th- what you think, hey, but I mean, He's definitely asking questions of Klein and Moreno and Gomez of how Klopp wants to wants to shuffle out that fullback position. Could also play as a winger, which is one of the things I like about him. I think he's got the raw attributes to be a decent winger for us. Obviously, it's it's very early stages, and I'm I'm never keen on saying we've got academy products, throw them into the first team. I think if you've got academy products who are good enough, they'll already be banging on the door for the first team. Like Trent, with Trent, it was never a question of should we give Trent a go. It was okay, how long until Trent's playing for the first 11. Um, so for me, you need to be managing these sorts of players. But I think I think Camacho has shown it enough in this preseason to suggest that he has got a future at this club, which for me, for a young player, is always an exciting prospect because most young players, for me, I don't think are good enough to start for our team because we, we want a team, as you say, Adam, we want a team that's going to win the Premier League title. We don't want to have it be saying, like, oh, you know, can we squeeze Ojo in? Can we squeeze Harry Wilson in? No, these lads, by their age... Well, their caliber should be either an elite level winger and therefore in the team, or they shouldn't be. And for me, Camacho at 18 has shown that he might, might have enough going forward to start knocking on the door of someone like uh, Solanke's spot on the on the wing depth option potentially in the next 12 months. But as I say, it's very early. And you never want to you never want to over overpraise these young lads, especially since Klopp. We'll go out of his way to make sure they don't get overpraised, which, as I say, is really important to him. Yeah, I, I hear you on that, Tom. But you know, I think maybe the one asterisk on that is that you know, if you're taking a guy who's 
one of the standouts in the academy on the wing, and then you're moving him back to back one position to the fullback. You know, maybe maybe that allows you to say that this is a kid that could make the jump, right? Whereas, uh, you know, like I said, we we have to see. It really says something about United that they couldn't challenge these guys. But uh, yeah, he really hasn't had a lot of questions asked of him, and we need to know that before he's before we talk about him jumping Klein or Moreno or Gomez. But uh, he's certainly he's really good going forward, and he offers seems like. Almost all of what Trent does in terms of, you know, the crosses and the aggressiveness and everything else, you know, uh, so I mean, for me, just, just based on what I've seen in the preseason, he'd be a great guy to have as, as sort of the deputy for, for Trent. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's tough to see what is going to happen. I, for me, I think, I think if I had to like submit a roster right now, like an official roster for the Premier League or for the Champions League, whatever, I think I would have, I think I would keep Klein and then move Moreno on and have Klein predominantly play as the uh, as the reserve left back and then uh, have Camacho as the reserve right back. So uh, I don't know, but yeah, we still have a little ways to go in the preseason for these guys to prove themselves. I like I like the differing approaches here, where, where Tom is like, let's let's wait and see. Adam's like, let's chuck him into the first team. That's <laughs> that's kind of great. <laughs> But yeah, okay, I, I want to move the conversation on now to somebody else who could also provide cover in that position. He could also provide cover in the midfield. He has been the subject of uh, sort of a lot, lot of microscopic observation through this, this preseason in terms of what he can do, what role he slots into, what end product he can produce. And certainly that seems to be the product both the Mirror and the Echo gave him sixes with very similar um, write-ups. Basically, he worked hard but struggled to produce an end product. I'm talking about Adam Lalana. Tom, how do you feel about that? Uh, a six a correct rating for you? Yes. I'm loathsome to say it because I know a lot of people are going to use it as ammunition to beat him with over the next few weeks, which they shouldn't. Um, I felt like he played all right. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Sadio Mane later, but I thought... I thought I said to you earlier, I think Mane is a better player when Alana's on the pitch because Lalana offers a bit more. He stretches the midfield, which is something that I like. He uses the channels really well. He allows us to create overloads, and we don't have many midfielders who actually do that. Um, he has a really good working relationship with Sadio as well. They, they have a very telepathic relationship almost, where when one of them makes a run, they know where the other one's going to be, which I think is really important to this team because, as I'll come on to say... I don't think you can have Sadio Mane playing as well as he did today unless you've got Adam Lallana doing a lot of the grunt work. And the other thing is Lallana offers a lot more energy than any other midfielder's options in that area. He has so much pressing. He presses so hard. And even when he's not at full fitness, because let's be fair, Adam Lallana is nowhere near his best at the moment. And he shouldn't be because he's just fresh off an entire season of injury. It's going to take him time to, to bed back into the team. He's rusty and he admits himself he's rusty because he looks rusty. And it's going to take him some time to be in a position where he's going to be good enough. Um, and I think a lot of people are writing him off very easily because he's just come off an entire season injured. And a lot of people don't think he was that good in 16-17, which I think is grossly unfair. It's quite clear to me that in 16-17, he was one of our better players. And if he can get somewhere near that form, he'll be a useful player to have in the midfield. Obviously, he's got a long way to go before he can get back to that form. And there's no guarantee he'll be able to get back to that form in the first place. But I think... In terms of this game, I thought he played all right. Um, I don't think he played badly at all. 
I agree with the bit about the end product, but equally, I don't think he got himself in that many situations where he needed to do better, if that makes sense. It wasn't a case of him getting himself into loads of good areas and then misplacing passes or misplacing shots. It just was he was playing a slightly more reserved role, allowing someone like Mane to take more responsibility in terms of attacking threat. So maybe maybe that's something that I think maybe is a little unfair to sort of say he's got no end product or he's playing in central midfield fundamentally and he's playing in central midfield. And, you know, people aren't going out there saying, you know, Milner didn't have any end product and Milner was playing exactly the same role. They wouldn't be saying, you know, um, Grujic didn't have any end product and he's playing in basically the same role. Um, he's not playing as a 10. He's playing as an 8. And I think maybe that's why it's potentially unfair to sort of say that he needs to do more creatively, which admittedly you could argue because it is one of his better better attributes. But in this game, I thought he was OK. I just don't think he was anything special either, which is a, which is so I think a 6 is fair, but it's just what. Where, how you asterisk that six? Do you asterisk that six as once again Lund doesn't produce, or do you asterisk it as this is a player that's coming back from injury and working his way back into the team? And that that for me is what you want to look at it as. Mm. What do you what do you contextualize that as, Adam? What 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 is the asterisk that you put next to that name? <laughs> I gave him I gave him a five without an asterisk. Uh, <laughs> when uh, I knew you would, to be honest, I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. I mean, put in this context, right? When you play a split squad in a preseason game and you're a player at Lana's level, you're playing in front of 100,000 people against your biggest rival, you should be able to stand out. You should be able to do something that stands out, that gets people's attention, that gets people up off their seat, and he just doesn't. He just doesn't. And listen, Lana was the key to the press for the first half of the season before last. But listen, just in constructing that sentence, you get the idea that that Liverpool may have passed him by and he's not on the same level as the rest of the attack. His end to end speed isn't good enough. His moves with the ball take too long. He's too ponderous His he just isn't, uh, he's not a fit for what this team is currently or what it's supposed to be going forward. And last night against United was a, Pretty good illustration of that, you know. It's like you're basically cheating having Mane and Salah ahead of you when you're playing in the 10, the advanced eight, again, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, he has opportunities to create chances like almost no other player has with those guys playing in front of him. And unless you're telling me that like Solanke is sabotaging him or something, then I don't get it. It just doesn't, it just don't, it doesn't make sense for me. He's just not, you know, if you just watch this in isolation, if you just dropped out of the sky and you had no idea of like players' histories or anything like that, I just think you'd say I can do without this guy, you know, and like, I think that, was, I think that's the truth. You'd say he was fine though. You wouldn't say, you know, I don't think, I think if you say, you know, he's a five, he didn't do anything, I think that's not fair. You know, he's playing as, he is playing as a central midfielder. He, his role in this team is not necessarily just to go out and be the be the creative hub, be the attacking threat. I think that's maybe maybe expecting a bit much of him. And as I say, he is. It is the case that he is still recovering from that injury, and that's that's something. And I, I completely agree with you to the extent that you can make the argument we've not seen the best of Adam Lallana for 18 months, and there's no guarantee he's going to get back to that best. I completely agree with that, but I think that you're being unfair by expecting him to go out there and like you know drop an amazing game. Because, as I say, A, he is still rusty, but B, it's not necessarily his game anyway. He Just because 
He is not going out there creating 10 chances a game, smashing it, you know, dominating the game. It doesn't mean he's had a bad game. It just means he hasn't necessarily had an out-and-out good one, which I think is maybe not fair. And as I said, I think a lot of what his work, a lot of his grunt work is the kind of stuff that people always say Genie does really well, which is that he facilitates stuff for others. Um, as I say, I don't think he was amazing, but I don't think I don't think he's the sort of player that's been completely passed by. You can see he presses harder than anyone else in that midfield. He does provide more energy. He is a key individual in that sense. I don't think it's fair to say that he doesn't contribute anything to this team. I don't think it's fair to say he can't contribute anything to this team either. I I do think I do think he could have played better today, better last night. But I don't think if you're a um I don't think if you're someone who doesn't watch the game, if you were dropped into that game, as you say, I don't think you'd pick Adam Lallana out and say, he's someone that's bad. I think you'd pick out, you wouldn't pick out anyone from that team and say anyone was bad. You wouldn't pick him out as someone who's been good. That's fine. I completely agree with that. But I don't think you'd pick him out as someone <laughs> and say, we need to be seeing more from this player. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think, again, I just think it's it's a credit to Edwards and Klopp and the whole team and the whole organization as, you know, top to bottom. But I just think Adam Milana is a guy who, you know, he, we brought him in from Southampton. He was the main, he was the team, he was the captain, right, for Southampton. And uh, it might have been a little bit uh, too big a move for him at the time. And it just really looks like he's he's out of his depth at this point. I just think he's not, he just isn't able to impact the game at a title-challenging Premier League level, and that's where we're at. I don't think he ever was at that level. Uh, he's never he's never scored in double figures in any competition. I just I think there's like an idea of who he is that you know I won't I won't put it on the English media because Klopp talks about him like this, but I, I don't get it. I don't see that player. I don't see the player that Klopp talks about. I don't see the player that that. Uh, Dominic King, like everybody, so many people in the English media talk about this guy like he's basically Navi Keita. <laughs> I just, I don't know what they're looking at, to be honest with you. He just doesn't, he just doesn't measure up to that for me. You know, like I said, any player in the world would love to play as the creative midfielder in Liverpool's system. Let's be honest about that. And Lalana, <laughs> he's that, he's that player playing against you know, a split squad for Man United, again, in front of 100,000 people at the big house, got to have adrenaline going, and you can't create anything. I mean, you know, and it's not just the one game, obviously. It's just, you know, I guess he's coming, yeah, he's coming back from injury, but then how long is that going to take? I mean, and what's what's best for Liverpool? Are we rehabbing this player now? It's just... I think, you know, being, I think it just doesn't make sense. Unfair. I think you're being grossly unfair. Um, <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. You said he's never scored ten goals or never never made double digit goals in his career. Neither is Naby Keita. Neither is Jurgen Shaqiri. And that's fine because that's not necessarily the role that they're intended to play. You're, you're saying that he's got to be the sort of creative playmaking hub. I'm telling you, he's playing as a central midfielder though. He's playing in the same role that Grealish is. He's playing in the same role that Milner is. He's playing in the same role that Curtis Jones has been playing. And don't get me wrong, Curtis Jones has been better across preseason anyway. But he's not been asked to do we've never played with a creative 10 we, we haven't played with a creative 10 for a while 
really, if we're being honest. Um, in last season, yeah, we but, went through yeah, the whole season without playing a creative turn. Yeah, we but we play, with, we play we with a 10 that does something. We play with a 10 that does something. No, we, I mean, don't, Ox, we, don't, we don't play with a 10. We don't have a creative 8. Well, whatever. The, the advanced 8. The, yeah, but Ox, Ox created things. He didn't. He's not like playing like Messi or something. But he, yeah, he, but Ox didn't jump straight into the team and automatically play really, really well. It took him about. Four, it took him three, four months of getting near his listen, best before he was able to consistently start creating on a regular basis. You can't just expect Lalana to jump back in and start being the player that the creative force that he was in 15, in 15, 16, 16, 17, because his creativity numbers are, were better than Ox's in those two seasons than Ox's were last season. So I'm not having that he isn't, can't be a creative force from the midfield. My point, and I, I, as I say, I completely agree that he might not be able to get back to his best, but it's still preseason. You can't be turning around, you know, four or five games into his preseason. And saying, well, maybe slightly more than that at this point. But you know what I mean? You can't be turning around half a dozen games into his preseason and saying, why isn't he a world-class player again yet? Well, he never was a world-class player. But you know what I mean? Why is he not back to his best? <laughs> That's not a fair assessment. I think you're making the point, man. I don't know. I just think you know, we're talking about the guy two years ago, and it was only the first half of the season. I don't know That's what. That's not I, I don't know what. I don't know what happened to him the second half of that season, but he wasn't the same player. And we're expecting him to go back to what he was for a handful of months. I think, that's, I, know, I, I think a lot of people overstate this. It was three good months thing. It wasn't three good months. He was good from he was good all the way from August through December, and then when he came back, he looked pretty sharp as well after he'd recovered from those injuries. I do think I do think there is no guarantee he'll get back to his best. But equally, we are so short of bodies in that midfield. We really are. We've only with Ox out for the season. We've only really got. Lalana's the sixth, the sixth player in that midfield. We need players like Lalana who can offer something a bit different to what we've got in there. And I, I appreciate in this game he wasn't, wasn't phenomenal, but I think you are expecting, I think you're expecting way too much of him, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think he's floundering in that side at all. I think that's, I think that's unfair. I just think he's still working his way back to full fitness, still working his way back into being the best role in the side. And we won't know, if we're being honest, what how good he is as a player now until November sort of time and you know what if you don't think when, that's what, acceptable what's, what's then that's the, fine. What's the scenario where he plays? Like so who's, you don't, you don't who's, think he's who's, who's, who's injured? Who's injured? He'd have to that, that wouldn't he have to get minutes just because of the way Klopp's teams play and you know rest and rotation and that kind of stuff. I hope not. <laughs> He's definitely going to be getting minutes. If you look at our midfield, who's our second choice midfield right now? That's deba- debatably, but it's three of Genie, uh, Genie, Lalana, Hendo, Milner. Three of those are going to be our backup midfield, and that's fine. But you, you're not going to say that your backup midfielder are, isn't going to play minutes. You, how many minutes? We had to distribute our minutes quite evenly across the five we had last season, and even then, two of them got cropped by the end of the season because they were handling too many minutes. We I'm just saying. We have, we against, have to manage Henderson. We have to manage Milner. We have right. to manage Lallana. That's fine, but you can't say that he's never going to start. He's never going to get minutes because he's. Well, gonna, against, we're going to need him. Let's just say. Let's just say. Let's just say opening weekend, right? Against West Ham, it's probably unless he's still coming back from his England duty and stuff. It's probably going to be Henderson along with Kate and Fabinho. Do we agree on that? And then. It's no chance it's Henderson. Henderson's nowhere, nowhere near going to be ready for the start of the season. Not a chance. It depends on who has the best preseason, really. You'd, I'd say at this point it probably will be Milner because Genie's not been able to get many minutes in preseason either. But the gap, I don't think the gap between Milner and Alana's, you know, cavernous. 
Right. Uh, uh, Milner, uh, dropped, Milner dropped a six, a six out of ten today as well. Maybe a seven if you're being generous. No, was, you know, I don't think he was. I don't think he was light years better than Lallana, which is my point. The, the I agree with you. The caliber of player that Lallana is competing with for a spot is not. Um, is not. You know, he's not competing with Naby Keita for a spot. He's competing with James Milner and and Gini Wijnaldum. That's the truth there. I don't think so. I think he's competing. He's competing with Henderson at least because I think at some point, if if we, if we don't bring in a creative midfielder. Then Keita becomes your creative midfielder for me, and then then you got Henderson and Fabinho behind him, and Milner is like a ultimate sub, and and Genie as well. I don't know. I just don't. I don't see the scenario where Lalana gets in or where he's even gives you more than Curtis Jones does if you're if you're in like a League Cup game or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's just to me, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's not he's not the he's not the guy that we should have gone after that summer and he just continues to be not exactly what we need at this point and and I think like if the talent level in the team since he's been a key player has just gone up immensely and that's a credit to the, to the club in general and I don't know he's just he's my, he's my not, take on it my take on it, it is that you can't you can't just say this player isn't a key player anymore, therefore they serve no purpose. You can't just say, well, we don't need, we don't need Alana, we don't need Milner, we don't need Lovren, we don't need Henderson, we don't need X, we don't need Y, we don't need Matip, we don't need any of these. Just sack them all off and sign 10 new players. It's not going to happen. You've got to build a squad. We can't complain that we don't have a deep enough squad. But then when we've got a, a decent, if not amazing, central midfielder who two years ago was a key part of this midfielder and you can't just say, well, he doesn't serve a purpose anymore. I don't think you can say that. You can say he's no longer a key player. He's not going to start as many games as he used to. He's not going to be an integral part of this midfield. But he does a job, and he can do a job. And I think, as I say, he's still working his way back to full fitness. But when he when he gets a chance to play at near his best and do a job, I think he can do a job as well as Milner. I think he can do a job as well as Genie. And I think that's really at this stage in his career, and at this stage in his Liverpool career, all you're asking for him is for him to do a job in games so that Cater and Fabinho aren't playing 50 games a season, so that Henderson isn't playing 50 games. Because we're going to have to manage Henderson, we're going to have to manage Milner, because they are ageing players who have... I think he definitely mean- plays. I, th- I think he definitely has some minutes in here. There, there has to be a, a rotation of these games. Plus, I, it, it does seem like Klopp really likes him. Really, like Klopp's really invested in in what he brings to the team and 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 what he what he brings to the squad really you know different options and um, he's pressing like you say just doing that and the managing between all those different minutes we we don't have that sort of rock solid um, those rock solid midfield options yet at the moment um, but yeah I, th- I think we'll have to look at Lalana in you know detail through the preseason and, and just see how he develops keep keep a sort of eye on him because. He is sort of getting to that age now where you want him to, you, you sort of want him to show where his level is going to be, you know, most of the time, and uh, and, and it will be, an, it's going to be a pivotal season for Anulana, I think, it, it, to, see, to see how how he shapes up, sort of moving forward within this. Somebody who is actually a new signing coming into the into the squad, Shakiri has made what a debut, guys. If I can move this on, um, we. we there's just, you know, uh, the mirror has given him an eight. <laughs> it's a stunning overhead goal kick and an assist for storage. That's how you introduce yourself. The Echo has gone for a full 9.5. What a debut. The Swiss attack excelled in an advanced central role, used his strength to set up the second for storage, and then bagged the fourth with a sensational bicycle kick. 
9.5 is a bit, a bit closer to where I would have sort of ranked him. Adam, what do you feel? Yeah, I give him a nine. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, listen, the Stoke reject, uh, he, he waltzes into camp. He's, uh, immediately the subject of an internet meme. Uh, <laughs> he wins, he wins, wins the crossbar, the crossbar challenge and, and training. Uh, he gets a goal and an assist in his first 45 minutes against Man United. Um, the goal being an overhead kick under pressure. Not too bad. I, you know, I think he seemed to fit into the system immediately, which Klopp noted in his post game. Um, he dropped deep, which was surprising to me. You know, even when, uh, some of the other players, some of the other forwards were staying forward, he was, he was the player that was dropping deep. He was rotating all over the place in the front four. He sort of had like a free roll. Um, he looked like he's been here for years. Uh, I would have given him a, I would have given him a ton, but he whiffed on like the volley like right before, uh, right before the overhead kick. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but to, seriously, to get, to get a goal and an assist and just to look like you fit in that well after, you know, just meeting up with the squad really is pretty impressive. Yeah. You agree with that, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue, isn't it? It's, yeah, it would be a churlish person who's churlish person who stands here and says that Aladdin's just scored a sensational overhead bicycle kick and uh, produced a really quality assist for Studge as well. Doesn't deserve at least a nine, you know, because I think I think he did play well. Um, there's the glimpses of his overall game look really impressive. Uh, like Sadio, I think he dropped in really well to sort of play in the, a central role, uh, allowing us to have, have a bit more creativity, a bit more free flowing. He certainly put in a good overall performance, but it's a sort of good overall performance that you need to back up with your end product. And that's exactly what he's done in this game. He scored a screamer. And as I said, his strength for the storage goal was really impressive as well. So, yeah, um, I don't have much to add to this one, to be honest with you. I think this is one of those performances where it's going to grab all the headlines and it kind of deserves to. So there's not really too much to add to it. It was just two pieces of, for me, real individual skill and then it backed up by a solid all round game. I really, I really like his his all round game there. I mean, if, even if we sort of look away from the assist and the goal, I love that he came back into midfield, received the ball on the turn, was aware of everybody around him. You know, uh, some good angles and the passes created some space. So it's going to be interesting. He seems to be sort of offering something we're not getting from anybody else. I, I liked his positioning in the sort of ten. So it, it's going to be really, really interesting. I didn't think he'd make that much of an impact. He seems to have settled immediately, which would be which would be rather brilliant. His debut seems to have, I thought it did overshadow a little bit. Um, you and I were talking about this player before the pod, Tom, but it is, it is Sadio Mane, as you said there. But I'm looking across these ratings here and I'm glad he's, he's gotten this because both outlets, both the Mirror and the Echo are giving him a nine. The Mirror coming out with everything Liverpool created came through Mane. Fine individual performance with his pace and trickery. Big season ahead for him. If we go to the Echo, best player on the pitch, tormented United at times with his pace, trickery and intelligent movement tucked away the penalty. He has been performing at some ridiculous levels, Tom. He's, he's been a little bit overshadowed by the Mohamed Salah show, but he did ridiculously well last season. And it seems he's got an extra, an extra step he can, he can make this season if, if, you know, if at all possible, because he has been quite brilliant. He was our best player last night. Um, yeah, I think he was. Overall, I think he was phenomenal. I really do. Um, if you watch the first half back, he has some real moments of deep-lying playmaking skill, which is something I didn't really associate with Sadio Mane massively up until this point. But you watch 
when Lalana makes those moves out to the left, when Lalana almost plays like a left winger, it gives Sadio space and time to drop inside, to take his time to pick the ball up almost in the left back position or almost in the central midfield position and then just ping it. And he knows where Mo Salah's going to be. He knows where he needs to put the ball so that our best player can get into those positions and make things happen. And that was the sort of the pattern of the first half, really. Our best sort of moments came when Sadio got the ball in a good area and was able to go, I know where Mo Salah's going to be. I'm going to stick the ball on his head or I'm going to stick the ball at his feet. I'm going to make sure that Mo gets something to work with here. And his interchange was really impressive all half. He played two or three really, really nice passes. He's quick. He's electric. And he just gives you so many headaches as a defender. Because you don't know what he's going to do. If you've got him there, he could easily just skin you on the outside. He could cut inside. He could unleash a shot. He can play a clever pass. He can hold the ball up and allow Andy Robertson to steamroll a pass him at 100 miles an hour, which just gives you a different threat to think about. I think if you combine the various attributes of players we've got on that left-hand side, Sadio is a special, special player who can do things to teams. And he just gets in your head. And when you're trying to think about what Mo Salah's offering, you can almost forget about what Sadio Mane can do and that's what's going to kill you in the end because there were two or three moments when he was able to pick out Mo in in really good circumstances for the header for the early header that Mo flicks over the uh, that Mo uh, Lee Grant flicked over the bar it's a brilliant pass um and then slightly later on for the act for the penalty itself he plays a really deft clever little pass which is in really tight circumstances and it's a sort of pass where you need someone who's just got that ability to even if it's a six yard pass somehow put it into space and to be able to put the ball into space when you've only got when you haven't got a lot of space to work with and when it's an intricate six yard pass is is not easy. It's e- it's easier to stick the ball into 10, 15 yards of space when most is running on and say, go on, run after it. It's it's almost more difficult to sort of generate space where there isn't any. And that's what Sadio is really, really good at. And as I say, his relationship with Alana is a really important part of his play. And that was really important to us in 16, 17. Because the way Lalana works the channels allows Sadio to create overloads. And when Coutinho's played there, Sadio has almost struggled. Because you can kind of see, to an extent, Sadio and Phil want to occupy the same spaces. They don't necessarily have that sort of intelligent interplay. And it's similar with Moreno. Moreno only has sort of one gear. Whereas Sadio needs someone who can go one way or the other as well to cause you problems. And that's why I think he's benefiting from having Robbo alongside him as well. Um... So, yeah, I think Sadio was our best player in the first half. I mean, you could argue he was our best player overall, um, although you'd be hard pushed to argue that he was better than Shakiri, given Shakiri's overhead kick, but I'd certainly say he was as good. Um, yeah, I thought he was excellent. Uh, and this is the sort of performance I want to see more from Sadio Mane um, week in, week out, because I think he does he has these performances all the time, um, but it's ones like these where he's able just to kind of steal the headlines. And to be fair to him, maybe he wouldn't have stolen the headlines quite as much if Mo Salah sticks away a couple of the half chances that he had because then everyone's talking about Mo. But I thought Mane was brilliant and I think he is such an important player for us. And I I love him. I think he's a special, special lad. And I'm more than happy to give him a nine in this game. Nice, nice. Yeah, we, we, uh, Tom, we were also talking about it before, but I feel it would be nice if the Liverpool squad sort of you know really recognised him as, as somebody on the pitch who does dictate the play, who can dictate the position of the ball. Uh, that's a big thing because I think when you don't trust Sadio and you don't give him the ball and and 
the your positioning as a team can more be in the midfield and up front. Liverpool wanted to be a, you know as further forward as possible. That's where our strength lies. I, I just wish we sort of recognised that as a team a little bit more, and maybe that will happen this season. That's a nine, Adam from Tom for Sadio Mane. Have you got something different? Yeah, I gave him an eight. I mean, I thought he was pretty outstanding in terms of his movement, his creative creativity, and everything like that. I mean, uh, the penalty was. A decent penalty. Uh, you know, I guess you just think to get a nine, he should be a little bit more clinical. But, um, you know, he, he's a player that you can tell that he's excited for the season to start. And that's, and that's great to see. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's always been like this for Liverpool where he creates so many chances and the, the easiest ones, he seems like he doesn't really finish. Whereas he'll create some, <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll create something out of nothing and he will finish those. So. You know, you just sort of have to take that with, with Sadio, but he is a, he's a spectacular talent. And, um, you know, again, like I was saying with Fabinho earlier, I think, you know, seeing him sort of struggle on some of the easier stuff, you know, you, you can tell that there's still a ways to go for, for Sadio Mane and he can still get even better. And, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of my fantasy team, I definitely had to take another look at it now that he's taking, now that he's taking the penalties. If you want to talk about the potential on there, I think, uh, I think everybody's going to have to take another look at their FPL squads. Yeah, if we managed to he, get a couple of penalties. Did he miss any easy chances in this game? I don't. I don't think he did in this game. I might. Didn't be he? Didn't he have a? Didn't he have a chance to round the keeper and he like went? He sort of like ran past the goal. Was that this game or was that against City? I don't think that was this game. Um, I I don't think he had many 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 um many open play opportunities in this game. I didn't think he had many chances. I thought he. I thought that was partly because he was dropping up quite a bit deeper. That's what I say. He was playing at times like a deep line playmaker, which was really exciting to watch because it meant that the the person on the end of most of the good chances in the first half was was Mo Salah, which is the the lad that you want on the end of the chances in the in this sort of game really. And it's just a shame we weren't quite able to um make more of it. Um, no, I I I don't quite agree with you about Sadio. I I take your point in that he maybe should be maybe should be finishing a bit more chances, but I think he scores enough goals that it's not a big issue in his game. Um. I think I don't think goal scoring is an issue in his game. I think he's got everything. I think I think think correct me if I'm wrong. That was his this was his fourth season in a row where he scored at least ten goals in the league, which for a winger is exceptional. I can't think of any other wingers in the Premier League who scored ten goals a season four seasons in a row that are currently playing in the PL. If there's anyone obvious that I've forgotten, feel free to tell me. But I don't think there's anyone who's got that level of consistency in the Premier League at the moment. No, I mean, like I said, he he creates so many that it doesn't really matter. But it is just sort of funny watching him that he tends to miss the easiest ones, right? It does feel like that a little bit. It does. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree. If 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 he is putting those chances, look, we do create a lot of chances in our system. We, we don't score all of them, but um, we score enough, you know. And and the, the front three had that set the Premier League alight. That's that's sort of the, the place where we can go, yes, that's working. And <laughs> this thing, somebody who's just thrown a little bit of a spanner in those works, just a touch over this preseason, has been Daniel Sturridge, right? And Adam, talk to me about him because the mirror's given him a seven, says came with a point to prove, took his chance, and, uh, and scoring after 40 seconds of being on the pitch, which seems to be a bit of a theme running through Liverpool's preseason, long may that continue. The Echo has given Daniel Sturridge an eight. Maintaining his excellent revival, scored with his first touch, led the line expertly again. He's giving us something to think about. 
I always like the echo. Yeah, I gave him an eight as well. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about like the confidence certain players have had, whether you're talking about Ojo or Mane or some of these players. They just look like they're ready for the season to start, and you wouldn't expect that from Sturridge given his recent history. But uh, he just looks physically, mentally, a completely different player than what we've seen post 2014. And um, not everything came off for him against United. He took a lot of like speculative chances and uh, not everything worked. But he gets the goal and the way that he combines with Shakiri, you know, again, like just taking this from what what the manager I think is probably trying to see, trying to find from these guys in the preseason. I mean, Sturge is he's got to be providing exactly what Klopp wants to see because if he's just thinking about like game situations of where he could use Sturge and Shakiri probably in combination, whether it's like, again, like in a cup game or a, even like a Premier League game against a team that plays a little block that parks the bus. You play these two guys, you start them or bring them off the bench, whatever, they're going to tear that apart. And, you know, I think that's sort of easy to imagine when you see these guys play together in the preseason. And, you know, I think that's got to be exactly what, what Klopp is looking for. Sturridge, it's interesting to me, he's been playing about as deep as we usually think of Firmino as playing during the, as, in terms of storage during the preseason. And it looks like a great adjustment to me. You know, we've been trying to recreate the storage of old and get him to run behind and use his pace and everything like that. Maybe that's just not there, but he still has incredible creativity and he's able, he's a super instinctive player. And like I said, he takes a lot of, speculative chances that wouldn't work for anybody else, but sometimes it works for him. And I don't know. I've been super impressed by what I've seen from him so far this preseason. And I, I just thought he was, I just thought he was a write off. I didn't think we could even get a transfer. The only reason I thought he might stay is because I thought it'd be almost impossible to get a transfer fee for a guy like that. That's on his wages that uh, has the injury history that he ha- he's had. I mean, it was just it was awful to watch him for West Brom come on and make his debut and then take about 10 steps and, and pull up, you know, that was, that was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it just fits, it fit into the narrative about him that had been running for a couple of years that he just couldn't stay fit. You know, I, I, people talk about where he wasn't really injured, he was available, but he just wasn't being used. And I just think that that's, nobody knows, right? Nobody, nobody knows if he was ready to play those games and clap didn't use him or what, you know, what was going on there for, or if he just wasn't quite fit and Klopp wasn't convinced to put him out on the field because of that. I don't know, but right now he looks incredible. And, uh, you know, I think as of this minute, he's Firmino's backup. He's Firmino's primary backup for me. So yeah, I don't know. I get, I give him an eight. I think he's been fantastic this preseason. And I just, I, I think if he stays, healthy throughout the rest of the preseason, it would be impossible for, for Klopp to move him on. Mm. And I think t- Tom reacted to that because one of the interesting things that we've seen through the preseason is the relationship built, right? Like Sturridge, Keita, that's a nice something working out there. And, uh, and now Shakiri Sturridge also seems to, seems to be building quite nicely. That's, that's a really promising thing that's happening. It, it's lovely when those uh, relationships are sort of in bloom right in the beginning and people are just enjoy playing with one another. But Daniel Sturridge has had a, a quite lovely little revival so far. Oh, I can't do it. 
I just can't. I can't bring myself. <laughs> I can't do it, Kate. We've been here so many times. I can't bring myself to go through it again. Um, I genuinely can't. Um, I'd give. Yeah, I, I thought he was. I thought he was really good again today. I uh, personally would have given him a seven rather than an eight, leaning a bit more on the mirror side of things. Uh, it was a inst- really instinctive finish, which is the thing you know you're going to get from Daniel Sturridge. The thing he's never lost is that sharpness in terms of finishing. He's such a terrific player, just picking the ball up and knowing where the back of the net is and sticking the ball in it. Um, and he only needs one chance. And that was one of the things that you, you see from him. I loved his confidence as well. I love how confident he is. There was that one where he picked the ball up. Uh, he took the ball off the keeper and sort of um, the, took the ball off the keeper in a very narrow angle. And, and rather than trying to put it on a plate for someone else or stop and think about what he's doing, he just shot just straight away, just went for the goal. And that's one of the things I love about him. He's so confident. You know, with um, with Danny Sturridge, he's only thinking of one thing. And that's how am I going to stick this ball in the back of the net? Um, and it, he has an he has an effect he has an can't. effect on the opposing team as well. Like you can tell because he takes those kind of shots when he's on form, he makes everybody that's in the box look look nervous, you know. And um, I don't know. It's just it would be. I don't know. It sort of sounds it's, like Tom's a big it could, it could like be. That. So Tom's already gone down this road. He's he's in the fan club already. <laughs> we've 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 done we've done this with Sturridge so many times though. We all think we all think it's going to be different this time, and then it isn't because and it's just I I I one of the areas where I am hesitant to criticise Klopp, but it, it is something that Brundage keeps bringing up. Klopp does not know how to manage Sturridge properly, and we've seen it before, and it wouldn't surprise me if we saw it again, where even before the season starts. He ends up, he puts, puts Sturridge in a situation that Sturridge isn't necessarily fitness wise comfortable with, and then Sturridge gets injured. And it wouldn't surprise me to see it again. Um, so we'll see. We will see. But I am not, I'm not allowing myself to, I've been burned too many times <laughs> by, by Danny Sturridge before. Just, I know, and not, I know. not even by him. And he's been burned too many times as well before, and it hurts. And I think Sturridge is great. And I think he was great in this game. I just can't. Can't do it. <laughs> I I just I need to need to detach myself from this one just a little bit, just for a bit longer because I can't quite get my hopes up just yet. It's still preseason, and it if if we go into the season and we get a few games early in the season where he starts performing, then that's great. One of the it the big if, and this is something that is exciting, is that he looks like he's starting to fit the system, and that has been a criticism of him that people have had in the past where he hasn't quite fit the system, and the results tend to reflect that. But if he can really integrate himself into this club side, and he's building relationships with those players around him, then yeah, we could be given something, something a bit special here. I know what you're talking about with um, with Brundish's comments that, that, that he shouldn't he shouldn't be used exclusively as a sub, but I, I think that that's unfair to Klopp, right? Because what are you, what are you supposed to do? Like start the guy? You can't. That's a little bit unrealistic. Yeah, it's unrealistic. Like, it's like, but it's like, but it's like Brundish says. You you sit you sit studged down. You're going to be playing three games a week. You use storage for one of those games. Get him working in a routine where he's going to be playing one game a week, and he's going to be playing one set of 70, 80 minutes a week. And that's how you make the most of him. Because it's like Brundish says. You can either you got two options with storage, right? You can either make the most of him by playing him in a regular pattern one game a week where you've got him playing one weekend against your Huddersfields, your Crystal Palaces, those sorts of games. You get him playing in a set rhythm or you can use him the way Klopp's been using him and then nothing's going to change because he's going to get injured again. That, those are your two options there. You can either maximise him or you can not. 
And if you don't maximise him, you can't be surprised when he ends up getting injured because, in many respects, you brought it on yourself. Yeah, you know, we've got a lot of questions to to see how this, you know, that's got to be answered by the preseason to see how this um this all gels together and, and and comes about. Guys, I think that's a good place to end it. Any final comments from either of you two? Um, just that I thought um Sankey almost looked too much like Firmino, which is <laughs> an issue. No, it's an issue because I think we need a striker who can offer something a bit different. And I think Solanke offers everything Firmino offers just less effectively. And I think that is a bit of an issue, but I thought he played okay in this first half. Yeah. I thought he played okay. Um, other just one or two players I want to mention. Um, Milner, as I said, I thought he was all right. I thought he had a decent game, but I thought he, off- I thought he offered something a bit different in the midfield. It was very strange to sort of see Milner take the Lallana role and Lallana take the Milner role almost in that first half. Um, and then just, yeah, uh, Nat Phillips played really, really well. In the second half, he looks like a good young centre back. I, 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 you know, he um he made a mistake, but then he immediately made up for it by bossing Alexis Sanchez. That's going to endear him to everyone. And he played a sensational pass to Shakiri for the for Sturridge's goal that I don't think I've not really seen anybody mention. So nice, nice. And for you, Adam? I don't know. Just a, it's really a pretty positive looking preseason for for Liverpool. I think like overall, uh, we look. We look good. It's different than last year, where last year was like a pretty smooth run, and this year uh, we're challenged a little bit more. But I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Man United look terrible, and like <laughs> that's that's probably a real that's probably a real positive for for Liverpool. I think uh, it's just uh, unbelievable the, the quotes that are coming out from Marino. That uh, you know, I just I can't imagine being a young player and hearing him say that. Just basically slate all the young players on the team. Um, you know, why are you even, why are you even playing there? Uh, if, if that's the case, it's just, a, it's a weird situation that he's coming out with all these comments. I don't know if he's trying to force his way out or what he wants to accomplish there, but it's just, I mean, it's great for us. You know, I'm, I'm writing an article right now about, uh, what, uh, Edwards' final move in the transfer window should be. And I think he should make a move to try and disrupt United and uh, go after some of their young players because, First of all, I thought some of the, first of all, I thought some of their young players actually some of their defensive players look really good in the game. Um and you know, to then have Mourinho come out and say those things after afterwards that you know, they're essentially shit is uh unbelievable. I mean, I you know, I think it would almost be like a dereliction of duty for any big team around Europe to not be trying to go after these guys cuz you'd think that they're them and their agents would try try and uh, get them out of town, you know. We need to go for Chong because he's a good player and his hair is fantastic. His hair is fabulous. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Andreas Pereira, that's the one for me. That's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. the one United fans love talking about, and it winds them the hell up. The Mourinho won't won't um unleash him. Oof, Adam, you've started something. That's a different part. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. It's been. Really, really fun to, to do this, uh, just to try out, see how this goes. And I've, I've been taking notes throughout, so, uh, we'll make some changes and, and see if we can get gags to, uh, to bite a little bit. I'll let you guys do some plugs now. What have you got going on at the moment, Tom? Writer's pod. You know me. I'm going to push the writer's pod. Um, we've got one out on the moment on Allison. Um, for those of you who haven't listened to it before or don't really know about it, the writer's pod is something me and Leanne Prescott do every week where we get a couple of the writers on the um, that write for the site regularly. Adam Petrucian is one of those who's been on quite a few times, which is why, as you can tell, we have a steady, steady banter going on. Um, 
yeah, and we just talk about their articles, we get into their articles, and we sort of debate some of the finer points of their articles, and it's really good fun. It's something that I really enjoy doing, and it's something that I am going to push at every opportunity because I think it's a really good pod. Cool, cool, cool. And for you, Adam? Yeah, like I said, I'll have an article up in the next couple of days, and, uh, yeah, I'll just be trying to write something that's good enough for Tom and Leon to pick me for the next show. Cool. Nice, nice. I think I'm just going to use my plug to say a big thank you to Guy Drinkle, who always comes to my aid when I need him. He is uh, recording this pod as as we sit and, uh, and I called him in at the very last minute because um, technical issues and uh, it wasn't working and he's always there. So a big up to, to Guy for just uh, just always being in the back. Go listen to all his pods and that will give you a pretty good idea of what we offer here. <laughs> he's I'm going to also shout out Guy because he records the Riot's pod every week without ever complaining, without ever asking for anything in return. And it's a, it's such a huge help to have someone there that, that's as dedicated to it as us as, as we are. Nice, excellent. All right, guys, so let us know what you think about this. Uh, get us up on social media. I think it's probably the easiest way to do it. And uh, and, and you know, let us know what we can change if you like it, if you don't like it, because uh, I, I think this has got legs. I think this is very cool. So do let us know. And, yeah, keep it locked on to AI throughout the preseason. We are going to be, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have content up absolutely every single game. So keep it locked down here. Take care of yourselves in the meantime. Bye-bye. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for this? Sports Social Podcast Network.